Hey there, it's Jamie Scrimger here, and you're listening to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm a wife, a mom, a stepmom, a coach, a conversation opener, and a BS caller. Eight years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Look, don't get me wrong. I was madly in love. The kids were great. But being a stepmom is, well, it's just complicated. If you know, you know. As a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I went to the internet for support. But I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support I was looking for. Raw, real, solution-focused conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard. But it's entirely possible to thrive amongst the tough stuff. Each week, I will bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. This episode is a little different than the ones we've been doing lately. It's kind of this nice reprieve from all the deep conversations we've been having about childhood wounds and trauma and the mother wound and dealing with exes and just all the things. So even though it's not as deep as I have been going lately, I know that you're going to come away from this feeling good and seen and understood. And with permission to be the expert on your own life, say screw the pressure and do what works for you. And I'm talking in the parenting department. So today's guest is Renee of the Mom Room. And if I were a betting woman, I would bet that you have seen her TikToks or reels on Instagram because her content goes viral on the regular. So here's her story. Renee finished her PhD in psychology days before quarantine started. And then while in quarantine with her toddler, she gained a large following on TikTok with her honest mom-related content. And then she started the Mom Room podcast. So the Mom Room just represents this no BS, real life image of motherhood that moms can actually relate to and take comfort in. Renee wants moms around the world to feel this sense of empowerment in being a mom. And she wants to help moms acknowledge and validate their feelings and inspire them to have conversations with their partners that they wouldn't otherwise be having. She also wants to help ease that dreaded mom guilt and put an end to the mom versus mom shaming. Can I get an amen for that? So in our conversation, we go through Renee's Instagram, and I just grab some topics about motherhood that I want to unpack with her. So we dive into setting boundaries on having new visitors at the hospital as a new mom. Sidebar, I did not have boundaries on this, and I look back on my experience in the hospital and when I came home from the hospital, and I really, really wish that I did. We talk about gentle parenting, our morning routines with kids. I share why I think that parents really need to take responsibility for the morning routines with their kids, especially if the kids are not cooperating. So if your morning routine is like a complete shit show, it's on you to tweak things and figure out how to set your kids up for success. We talk about dividing responsibilities. We talk about being the default parent and how someone becomes a default parent. And I am the default parent for Reese. And Renee gives me a pep talk about what I need to stop doing. We also talk about dealing with negative comments online. It's really just this chit chat between two moms. It's good. And uh, I think you're going to love it. So let's just dive right in, okay? Well, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you. Thank you. 
Thanks for having me. This is so fun. Yes, so good. I was just like, okay, I'm going to go through her Instagram because you always post things. And I'm like, I'm like, I want to talk to her about that. (laughs) So it's like, okay, I think that's what we're going to do. That's the best part of podcasting, right? You're like, I want to talk to this person. Hey, you want to come on my podcast? (laughs) I want to unpack what you just said because it is loaded. So for let's start off by giving us a little bit of an intro, who you are, what you got going on. Yes. So I turned into a content creator, podcaster in quarantine before the world shut down, like days before I defended my dissertation for my PhD in psychology. And then my husband's a physician, the world shut down. So I was home with our son who at the time was about 18 months old. And I started making TikToks and... Oh, wait, oh, wait. You finished... Your dissertation with an 18-month-old? Yes. So are you in Canada or the U.S.? I'm in Canada. You're in Canada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did a 12-month maternity leave from the program, and then he started daycare. And then, like, I was – when I gave birth to him, I was almost done. Like, I just had to do some editing, and it was almost done. So – Don't minimize that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty impressive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was – it was – a lot, but it was nice to, it was hard to completely like shut off my school brain for 12 months. And then he started daycare and it was like, okay, let's get right back into it. Like that was difficult. But yeah, so I finished that. And then days later, the world shut down and I was home without anything else to do, but take care of Milo. And so I started making TikToks. I started posting on Instagram more often about just things that I was experiencing, that I was going through. And then those blew up and got really popular. And so I started the podcast because I was like, I want to have, you know, TikTok is like a 15, 30 second video of these topics that I'm interested in that I want to talk about. So I was like, I'm going to have like full on conversations with professionals in different areas and like other moms and really get into these topics. So that took off as well. And now that's just what I do. And was that the plan? Like, so when you were finishing school, like what was your game plan prior to COVID? So we moved to the GTA, like the Toronto area. Yeah. So I'm not far from you. I'm just in Stratford. Oh, okay. Where Justin Bieber's from. That's, that's why I know Stratford. <laughs> we have, my um, stepdaughter saw him in uh, Swiss LA. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so exciting. So yeah, when we were moving to the GTA, I was like, oh, okay, perfect. There's going to be so many job opportunities for me here because I assumed that I would be working in a research institute. Like I did a lot of health research. So I was like, that's perfect. All the hospitals with the research centers. I assumed that I would do that. But little did I know, like we live 45 minutes outside of downtown and with a young child going to daycare my husband's a physician. He does not have a flexible job. He can work really late hours. He's on call all the time. Like it was very, like that would have been a nightmare for me to commute into the city and then commute back. Like it just would not have worked. So it kind of like all just worked out. And now I work from home and yeah, like it just worked out, but I never expected to do this. No. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love how it just kind of happens. So when you first started 
posting TikToks where you're like, I'm going to post TikToks and make this into something? Or were you bored? I just loved making videos. Like I thought it was so funny. And like, if you look at my first TikToks, I was just learning how to use the platform. It's like, you know, like a booty shaking song. And like, I would make the video of Milo dancing like really fast. Like I was just like playing around with it. And I love like the lip syncing to different audios. And then as I started to use it more, it was like, I would reply to people's comments and I would post podcast clips. And now it's just kind of like a mishmash of everything. But I just, I love making videos. I think it's so fun. I'm way more creative that way than like writing a caption in Instagram. For me, it's more fun to just like talk it out as opposed to like sit there and write. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I like miss the good old Instagram where you just posted a photo and then like wrote a little blog post and like shared your feelings. Like that's me. (laughs) Like I'm like, oh, I have to do reels. Okay. I know it shifted. Okay. It really, it's a totally different platform now, but you know, I love it because you get to have conversations and you get to hear like so many different perspectives on parenting and relationships and life and just like all of the shit that's going on. So how has that experience been for you? Like, do you feel like you're attracting like an aligned audience or do you get like a whole mishmash of people with like different like thoughts and opinions on things? Like, do you get any like pushback on things? Instagram? I find the platforms different. Like Instagram is very much more of a community feel. Like everyone is you know, people are following you because they like what you have to say. They agree, like, for the most part, whereas TikTok is more the wild, wild west. And your content is, especially for a video that goes viral, it's pushed to people who they don't know who you are. And they come from all walks of life. They have all different kinds of opinions. And so you never know what you're going to get. So the comments on TikTok, especially for videos that are a little more, not controversial, but like, hot topic kind of things, that's where you get a lot of the, you know, not so nice comments, which is great though, because then I video reply to those. And then that is a great piece of content to be able to respond to those comments. So it's the two platforms are totally different, which is why I tend to show more of my personal life on Instagram because it's like, oh, these are my friends. (laughs) Whereas TikTok is like, you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Does it hurt your feelings if people are, when people say mean things? No, 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 no. I actually like it. I love, and people are always like, why do you even respond to these people? And I respond to them because I'm responding on behalf of all the moms who get similar comments in their life and don't respond or don't know how to respond or don't know how to stand up for themselves. It's like, I know all the moms out there are getting these like ignorant comments. So I will respond for you on this platform. And then all the moms can see how I responded to it and they can be like, yeah, you know, like screw you, buddy. Yeah, exactly. What do you get the most hate on? Like what, like what are the different opinions on? Like, what do you think is the most controversial? Is it when you're talking about like the realities of just being a mom? People out there that don't want to acknowledge how difficult it is to be a stay-at-home parent and how much work it is to take care of little kids. Because I think people get defensive 
And it's most often from like, I do get women that will, you know, make comments about that, but most often it's men. They don't want to acknowledge that their partner is doing a ton of work and they need to do better and they need to help out more. They just kind of want to be like, oh, no, like, it's not a big deal. It's fine. Like, it is totally a lot of work. My sister, Britt, so she has two, so she has twins and a daughter. She had three kids under three. Like, just, in, it's just insane. Like, just a madhouse over there. And um, so she, she puts her kids to bed at, six. She edits this podcast. So she's gonna be like, yeah, (laughs) Jamie, why are you talking about me? But she puts her bed, her kids to bed early. And she did this, like shared this reel about like celebrating bedtime and like, you know, why you have an early bedtime, blah, blah, blah. And, um, she got some hate. Someone's like, why do you even have kids then? Like, if you don't want to be around them, she's like, you know what, if you don't think that that's a joke, like if you don't get that, like you need to just like, this is probably not the feed for you. But I do think it's really interesting, like how people literally cannot take jokes anymore. Like you almost can't say anything. That's a them issue. You have to be able to laugh about it. If you don't laugh about it, like last night, I was up last night from like 2.30 a.m. till probably 5 a.m. because Milo had an accident in his bed. He peed the bed, which never happens. And of course I had the monitor last night. So I was up like all night. And if you don't make a joke about it the next morning and like me and my husband were laughing this morning, just because I have all these recordings today. And I'm like, oh my God, I almost like left the house with my coffee lid, not on the travel mug. He's like, do you want your lid? I'm like, oh my God, I'm losing my mind. If you don't laugh about it, you will be a miserable human being. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, when it comes to like dividing up responsibilities, how do you guys do it in your house? Like, do you have, are you guys like conscious about it or is it just kind of like you fly by the seat of your pants? So I, one of my favorite people to follow and listen to is Laura Danger. Um, She's that darn chat on TikTok. And she talks a lot about like the division of labor and fair play, the Eve Rodsky book. And I get that. And I think it's fabulous for whatever reason. I think I know why, but my husband and I have never had to actually sit down and be like, okay, like you're going to do this. This is what you're responsible for. Like we have just from day one have been a really good team. And there's certain things in the house that he does all the time, like the dishes. And because he cares about that, I could care less if there's dishes in the sink. I do more so like vacuuming and he he does mostly the laundry. Like we just kind of fell into this routine. And obviously every once in a while we're going to, I'm going to do laundry. I'm going to do the dishes based on his schedule and he'll do the same based on my schedule. But we never had to actually be like conscious about it and sit down and divide things out. It's like some nights I'm doing bath and bedtime. Some nights he is like some night, most nights we do it together. And I honestly think it's because he grew up. First of all, he had the experience of living on his own and doing everything by himself in medical school. And then in his residency, like he was living by himself, doing absolutely everything, ironing his clothes, laundry, cleaning, cooking. He's a really good cook. And so there's that experience. And then also when he was growing up, his mom was like they moved to Canada for his mom's career. And so the first few years, 
I think it was the first few years, it was his dad that was the primary caregiver and his mom was working a lot. So I think that plays a role in it as well. Like his childhood experience of seeing his mom and like his dad have equal roles as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is really interesting how the roles that they see with their parents just kind of like trickle into how they show up as an adult. Yeah. Darren and I are the same. We, we've never had a conversation, but it's true. Like I do all the dishes because he couldn't give a shit about the dishes. Like even Mother's Day was a couple days ago, right? And um, he's like, I'm going to make breakfast. I'm like, okay. So he's like, going to make BLTs and he, Darren's not a cook. It's just not his thing. So he's like, I'm going to make BLTs. So he's making the bacon and he puts tin foil over top of the pan so it doesn't spray. I'm like, but there's a lid. Like I said, why don't you put the lid on so that you don't keep burning your hand on the tinfoil because it's so hot. And uh, he's like, okay, okay. And then he is like, well, can you do the lettuce? He's like, you're just better at doing the lettuce. I'm like, I thought you were making me, me breakfast. And he's like, yeah, but you, you do the lettuce. And then he's like, okay, I'll do the dishes. And that meant like the pans were still in the sink and there was like still stuff out, but like the most of it was done. And I was laughing though. I was like, you know what? I can guarantee you there's going to be like some moms who would be like really pissed off about this right now being like, why can't you just do the dishes on the day when it's like supposed to be my day? But he literally thought it was clean. Like he thought the job was done. Like it's like, cause you just have different values and care about things and see things in different ways. Like that does not, that does not bother him. He would have gone to bed that night thinking he did the dishes. Like I am your husband in that situation, but something else that I had to realize and it's similar to what you were just saying, is my husband can walk into the kitchen and there being clutter on the island and on the counters does not bother him at all. He could have like stuff that he just bought Milo, like in the bags on the counter and like, you know, the dog food out or like whatever it is, does not bother him in the least. But dishes being in the sink bothers him. But for me, when I walk in the kitchen and the counters are not like clean and everything put away, that bothers me. So that's also something that I had to, you have to think about is like, they don't feel the same way walking into the kitchen as I do when there's stuff on the counters and vice versa, you know? So it, that's important as well is like the things that bother him are not necessarily going to bother me. And so it's not his priority. Whereas like me, I'll just throw the all, every box that comes like packages, tossing it in the garage, don't care. Like do not care. Whereas he will go, he'll cut it up, he'll like organize it. So it's like you care about different things. Yeah. And I think some people get caught up and I, I talk a lot of stepmoms in my community. They're like, well, when they don't do it, it's just because I've asked them to do it. It's just a lack of respect. And I'm like, it's not. It's actually not. It doesn't matter how many times I tell my husband to please don't put your wet spoon on top of that wood tray because it's staining it. He does it every single weekend because he's not even thinking about, he's just like automatically doing it. He just doesn't think that's that big of a deal. It's not about respect. It's about priorities or even like what they see anyway. Yeah. What bothers you? Like things that bother me do does not bother my husband at all and vice versa. Yeah, same, same. Now, you're talking a lot about parenting styles, like in some of your content. I'm someone, and maybe this was a good thing, maybe this is a bad thing. I didn't read any parenting books. I didn't like, I don't, wouldn't say I'm a certain type of parent. I haven't really read like 
I'm going to do this style or this training or like this is, I, I just kind of like try to get through the day and hope everyone is happy and has, I just do what feels right. So you were talking about gentle parenting on one of your posts. Can you explain what gentle parenting is? Because I'm seeing a little bit more about this online. It is so, it's such a popular, and I think people understand it in different ways. Like I am not a parenting person. I feel like I get a lot of questions just because of the topics of my content about like parenting questions. And I'm like, I'm not really sure. The thing that I understand about gentle parenting, I like to call it respectful parenting because it's just uh, treating your kids with respect which traditional parenting styles I don't think is that way. It's more so like I'm the parent, what I say goes and not really taking into consideration your child. Like what they, like for example, Milo used to have crazy meltdowns because he couldn't take his, he had this like electronic Buzz Lightyear thing that was his favorite, like that was his best friend in his mind and he couldn't take him in the bathtub. And so I think when you're not using like a gentle or respectful parenting approach, you're kind of getting upset at your child for like, really, you're going to have a meltdown because you can't take this electronic toy into the bathtub. Like it's going to break and getting upset at your child as opposed to being like approaching it in the way that we did where it was like, this is really upsetting for you because this is your best friend. Like you want him to go in the bathtub with you, like you have to think of things on their level and kind of empathize and think about what they're going through as opposed to just being like, like one of the sayings that I love, and I heard this, I think from Mr. Chaz, is that they're not giving you a hard time. Like they're not trying to be like, who I'm going to throw a meltdown and like ruin her day. Like they're actually having a difficult time themselves. So to kind of it's like parenting with empathy, I think. Yeah, like what is this about? Like what's happening for you? Yeah, and like being understanding. Like something that completely blew my mind is one night when we were having like a major bedtime battle, I went into his room and I knelt down on the floor and I was just waiting for him to calm down. He like started to calm down a little bit, but I wasn't trying to get him to stop. I wasn't like, stop crying. Like, let's go. It's bedtime. Like, no, no, no. Just like giving him a moment. And then I put my arms out like for him to come give me a hug. And like, I should be pissed off because he's not going to bed. It's now like 8 30, 9 o'clock. He's like throwing a tantrum, refusing to get in his bed. Like it is frustrating. And internally I'm pissed off. But on the outside, I'm like, okay, I know he's just having a difficult time. As an adult, not being able to fall asleep is annoying for me. So he doesn't know how to handle what's going on. He's not tired. Like his room is dark. He doesn't, you know. So I put my arms out and he comes over and gives me like a big hug and is just like sobbing into my shoulder. And I was like, oh my God, this is so sad because I can picture so many situations just like this where parents kind of like storm into the room and are like, what are you doing? Like get in your bed. It's bedtime. Like And it broke my heart because here's this little child who is having a hard time and you extend your arms to give him like comfort 
and like a safe space. And he takes it, you know, he comes into my arms and gives me a big hug. Like I was just like, it melted my heart. And now I look at things in that way. Like he's having a hard time. How can I help him through this? He's not trying to piss me off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think maybe I am a gentle parent. Maybe that was my category. (laughs) I didn't even know I was in. Because you know what? So our daughter, she's going to be eight and she's in our bed. She's still in our bed during, she was kind of out of it. And then during COVID, it kind of came back in and we've just never really done it. And it's so interesting because Darren and I, like two weeks ago, we're like, okay, we're going to do it. It's going to be hard, but it's time for her to get into her own bed. Um, but she gets like a lot of anxiety about it. And she just really wants to sleep with that. Like, it's just this thing for her. I don't know. And I remember wanting to sleep with someone all the time growing up and I I turned out okay. Yeah. Like it's, she's not going to be 18 and sleeping with you guys. Totally. Mind you, I did say she's not going to be eight sleeping with us. So I said, okay, we're going to do it. We were going to have a conversation with her at dinner. And I looked at him. He's like, I can't do it. I'm like, I can't do it either because she's like, Hey, do you guys want to like watch a movie tonight and cuddle? (laughs) It's like, Oh yeah. But you know, that's what she needs right now. Like that's her comfort place. That's something she looks forward to every single day. And it's like, I know you can get a little slack when people are like, well, what's that teaching them about real life? Like, that's not how life works. Like, they have to learn to listen and life is hard. And I agree, but it's also like, yeah, but sometimes you just want to feel safe and loved. Yeah, she's not going to be 18 sleeping in your bed. And also as a parent, I find it difficult because you have like these external voices, whether it be like on social media or people on podcasts or your friends, your family, your parents being like, oh, you know, like she shouldn't be sleeping in your bed. Like, so you have that like negative feedback, but then at the same time, you as the parent are like, you know what? I kind of like our moment where, where she's like in bed with us. And I kind of like that this is our time to, you know, cuddle and be close to one another. So you have, it's like this conflicting, you know, what people are saying. This is what works for us. Exactly. And that is the biggest thing is what is working for you. It does not matter what other people are doing. It doesn't matter that people, you know what, like if somebody is looking at you sleeping with your daughter and they're like, oh, like we would never do that. It's like, okay, then don't do it. I'm not asking you to like, this works for us. We're fine. Eventually we'll, you know, maybe in three months, it's not going to be fine for us. And then we'll address it at that time. Like that's how we've taken everything. It's like, this is what works for us. So that's what we're going to do because nobody else matters. I'm going to interrupt this episode really quickly to give you the inside scoop on brands and resources that I'm loving who also help support the show. Father's Day is coming up and I have the best gift idea for you a handcrafted, eco-friendly, reclaimed all-wood watch from Revival by Martin & Co. Revival by Martin & Co.'s mission is to redefine what a watch should be. It's not just about what the watch looks like, but what it signifies. The value of a watch is not about being able to tell how much time has passed, but in being aware of the need to make time count. Their Elevation Collection, which is gorgeous, signifies the countless times you have overcome adversities, the millions of moments that you have felt terrified but emerged victorious, the time you felt lost but found your way out, the times you have suffered but survived. The Elevation Collection is a physical reminder of how strong and capable your man is. 
hence the name Elevation. These handcrafted all wood watches are both meaningful and beautiful and would act as a great reminder of how far your man has come this Father's Day and how much you appreciate and admire his strength and resilience. Revival by Martin & Co. has partnered with Water Aid Canada and Sick Kids Foundation with 25% of proceeds from each purchase going towards making a direct impact on transforming lives. These timepieces are not just about buying a product. It's about stepping towards a lifestyle change, signifying how far you've come and where you're going. Use the code JAMIE15 at revivalbymartinandco.com for 15% off. Darren's favorite is the walnut with ebony as a close second. www.revivalbymartinandco.com. Use the code JAMIE15 for 15% off. I want to tell you about Stepmom Magazine. When I first became a stepmom, I always struggled to resonate with the support out there. There was just this huge double standard. Moms were encouraged to keep it real and stepmoms were judged for doing the same. And amongst the overwhelming amount of resources for moms, there really wasn't much for stepmoms. That resonated with me at least. Except for Stepmom Magazine, that is. In fact, almost 10 years in, Stepmom Magazine is the only resource that I revisit time and time again. So Stepmom Magazine is a monthly online publication for any woman who's dating, living with, or married to someone with kids. The articles are written by all the leading stepfamily therapists and coaches, and the support is second to none. Stepmom Magazine has tons of information on topics like co-parenting and dealing with stepkids and dealing with the ex and disengaging and raising teenagers and being a full-time stepmom and having an ours baby. They cover it all. If you're a stepmom listening to this podcast, you need to check them out. And you can use the code JAMIE20 and you'll save 20% off anything and everything in their online store. So that's all subscriptions, back issues, and stepmom ebooks. This magazine is the longest standing, highly regarded stepmom resource for a reason. Go to stepmommagazine.com and use the code JAMIE20 and save 20%. Now you said something in your post about this, that gentle parenting is privileged. Can you unpack that for me? Yeah. So I had this conversation with Mr. Chaz. I love him. And the reason I started thinking about this topic was because I would always find myself in these difficult situations where it was very hard for me to be a gentle parent. And sometimes I wouldn't be like, I often lose my temper or like do something that you know, later on, I'll reflect on it and be like, oh, I could have handled that better, but I'm human. So every time I would find myself in these situations, I was like, wow, this is really difficult for me. And I have a pretty well-behaved child. I have an incredible support system. I don't struggle financially. I don't have a, I work for myself. You know, like when I'm rushing, like trying to get him in the car in the morning, for example, I don't have to be at work at a, at a specific time. Like no one's expecting me. And so oftentimes I would find myself in these situations and I would be thinking about people who were in a different situation than I was. So if I feel this stressed and I don't have a boss that's waiting for me to get to work or like a meeting to attend and he won't put on his socks and his shoes or he's like hiding in the corner screaming because he doesn't want to get in the car. Like that makes it 10 times harder to gentle parent. And the word, like at that point, you have to like pluck the kid up and put them in the car. 
Yes. Like there's only so much that you can do. And so the whole thing with privilege, and I think people hear that word and they get kind of like their backup or they get defensive. And so I looked up the definition of privilege for that episode that I recorded with Chaz. And it literally just means that you have an advantage over someone else. So like for me, it's going to be a lot easier for me to gentle parent than someone else because I only have one child. Because like I was saying, like I make my own schedule because I'm flexible and whatever, whatever. Like you can change your day. Like if something happens, you can cancel your day, you know, for the most part. And also like mental health, like I take anxiety medications, like my anxiety is super well managed. I'm very like, I have time to sit and think just the nature of what I do for work, like talking to professionals about parenting and learning all this different parenting stuff. I have an advantage over many people that enables me to gentle parent easier than someone else. And I think that's a piece that's missing because all you hear about is like gentle parenting, respectful parenting, but that is a piece that's missing in all of that because I think people see all this content and they're like, but it's so hard. Like, and I think that's what's missing is acknowledging how difficult it can be in certain situations. And whenever I talk about that, there's always people in the comments that are like, Ooh, just because you're stressed out doesn't mean you can abuse your kids. And I'm like, okay, nobody's abusing their kids. Okay. People jump to this conclusion all the time. And I'm like, that is not what I'm talking about. I am just saying. It means sometimes you got to pluck them in the damn car seat. (laughs) Yes. Like sometimes I can just not react in the best way. Like if I was sitting down and I was like, hmm, how could I choose to react in this situation? It's not the way that I would choose, but it's not like I'm abusing my child. I'm just not handling it in the best way because I'm a human. People are idiots. Jeez. So, you know, it makes me think about a conversation I had with my my cousin. We were talking just about the morning. So we were on a girl's trip. Our husbands were taking care of the kids. It was totally fine. And um, we were just talking about how we do mornings. And she's like, I think they like it better when I'm not there because I'm like always like on top of everyone to like go, go, go. Like, don't be late. And I said to her, I said, I don't care if we're late for school. She's like, you don't care if you're late for school. And I know I'll get responses to this when people will say, well, like you're not respecting time and you have to, you know, be on time. And like, there's all that 100%. However, I know when, say my partner and I get in a fight in the morning and we're like arguing about something or like something doesn't go, like the way you start your day can really have a huge impact on like the entirety of your day. And I know how that affects me. And I think about how that affects her at eight years old and the other kids too, right? Like how how that affects them. Like I'm like very conscious about how we start our day and it's not going to be like a rush, rush, rush morning. And this is like the choose your battles thing. This is totally the choose your battles thing. So if we're going to be like rushing around and I feel like I'm starting to get triggered and raise my voice, I, I like literally stop. And I'm like, if I'm five minutes late at drop off, I would rather that than change, like start her day because she's super sensitive off on that negative note because I know it's going to affect how she learns. It's going to affect how she shows up, like all the things. And it's just interesting how like different parents have different values around that. Like I could literally care less if we are late. 
Like my husband will be like, why are you not gone? I'm like, the vibe, man. Like, let's just like have a good morning. (laughs) Yeah, this is the vibe. (laughs) This is my stress because Milo starts actual school in September. And the beauty of daycare is that there is no start time, you know? So that is another... And school ends earlier than daycare. Yeah, totally. And so... It's the worst. (laughs) And that's another thing, like pickup. It's not like I... If I'm like running late, it's not a big deal because, you know, we pick him up a lot earlier than daycare actually closes. But yeah, that's... He starts school in September and I'm like, oh my God, do we have to be there on time? Like that is going to add a layer of stress in the morning But that's nice to know that you can be like five minutes late and it's not a big deal. What are they going to do? Well, yeah. Like when they're six, like they write, they've been late eight times. Like, okay, whatever. Right? Like I don't, I don't really care. But yeah, no, I definitely won't. And you know, something I thought back to or like a few months ago, if you have a bad morning at your house, like I think sometimes parents, we blame our kids for like being slow in the morning or like being pokey or like, I do think it's our job as a parent to like set the morning up. Do you know what I mean? Like we really set the tone of the morning. And so if we're, if you're constantly having like a super high stress morning, you got to switch something like something's not working and set these kids up for success. Right. Because it's anyway. Yeah. I think, I think a lot about that, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm late all the time and I'm up at five in the morning. My sister's like, how are you late for school again? I'm like, I don't know. I just, we were just up. If I have time, like if I have time to wake up and have a coffee and have some alone time before Milo gets up, like I'm a different person. This morning though, like he was in bed with me. And so at 4.30 in the morning, I turned off my alarm because I was like, if my alarm goes off at 6.20, I am going to like punch a hole in a wall because I still wasn't sleeping at 4.30 a.m. So I turned off my alarm. And so this morning was like, not rush, 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 but I had no, like I wanted to get up at the latest possible time and just like put my clothes on, pour a coffee, walk out the door. <laughs> but yeah, it's a different, you need to set up the morning for sure. 100%. Now there was another post, as I'm saying, I just like want to go through your posts. Um, You were talking about, I think someone had messaged you about feeling guilty for not wanting visitors when they have, when they give birth. This triggered me when I read it. I want to unpack this because I think that this is like, someone is going to be listening to this who is pregnant right now, and it's going to give them permission to set those boundaries. Okay. This is my favorite topic of all time is respecting the postpartum, like the early postpartum period, because our culture is so twisted when it comes to this. Everybody, like moms do not stand up for themselves. Whether they want visitors or not, they feel guilty to set a boundary that they don't want people coming over. I did not have this issue. I'm not a people pleaser, never have been. So I like set that, I thought I was going to want visitors because that's what you see in movies. That's what you see on TV. That's what all the people you know who have given birth in the past have done. You yourself has have gone to visit people who just had a baby, didn't think twice about it. And then I was in that situation as the person who had just given birth. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I don't want anybody over at the house except for my mom and my sister. 
and my husband, of course. And so my mom, I'm so lucky. Like my husband was totally supportive. His parents live across the country. So they kind of delayed their visit to be like a month or two after Milo was born because they were respecting that boundary. My mom was like the gatekeeper of the house. Like I didn't have to tell anybody that they couldn't come over. It was my mom that was keeping everybody informed on where we were at with regard to visitors. So it was a good experience for me, but it was something that I was completely not expecting at all. Like I did not think that people weren't going to be coming in and out to visit Milo. And like, I just, that didn't occur to me because you never hear about it or see it on TV or in movies. It just doesn't happen. So that was like a huge, oh my God, when I was in postpartum. And then when I started talking about it, because I was like, I can't be the only one that feels this way. Doesn't want anyone around. Yeah. And it is so unbelievably common, but people feel guilty to speak up for themselves and say that they don't want visitors. People don't want to create like tension within the family, especially when it comes to in-laws. And the thing is, is that family, especially like in-laws and parents, and they feel entitled to come over and visit the baby. Like that they cannot fathom that they're not going to be able to come visit, especially even like in the hospital. Like I have heard the, the, if you go to all those pieces of content that I have put out and you read the comments of people's experiences, it is like heartbreaking. Yeah. I had one. I had a good one. So, well, and this is the thing. So first of all, we go in so we have my three stepkids, right? So the older kids. And so they were going, going to their moms and their mom was going to drop them at the hospital, which like I was totally fine with them just like coming to see, right? But so when I, I was induced, I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll have laughing gas. So I had the laughing gas and I was like, okay, that does not work. That's for the dentist. That is not for childbirth. Um, then I'm like, okay, well, maybe they gave me a shot of morphine. They're like, why don't you do the morphine? So they give me a shot of morphine in the butt. And then I was like, yeah, that's not, that, that doesn't work either. And so then I had the epidural. So then I have the baby, super short labor, two hours. And within an hour and a half of having the baby, Reese, I had people at the hospital. I had taken so many drugs, my eye wouldn't open, like my one eye. And I had like the big eyelash extensions at the time. So that was just like a serious situation. So I was literally like high as a kite, like just totally out of it, have like a room full of people. And then my husband thought, like my mom and my sisters, when we came home, my house was full. When my mom, my sisters, I had invited one of my sisters and then my husband had invited my other sister. And then my mom was there. Their partners were there. My stepkids were there. I also had no experience holding, like I, I had no experience with babies. So I was kind of like, what am I supposed to do with this, this thing that I have to keep alive now? Like I just was really, really overwhelmed and my house wasn't totally full. And my sister even looks back on it. She's like, I feel like I could puke thinking about that for you. Like, I don't know what any of us were thinking. And what we ended up doing though, is we sent my stepkids to grandma and grandpa's for the weekend. And then we like had the weekend to just like get to know Reese and just kind of like cuddle and like just kind of find our bearings. And I recommend that for whether you're like everyone, like if she, 
if we had, it wasn't stepchildren, if it was just like any kids, I would be like, you, you need to have that space. And the mom, like no one's entitled. Like you don't owe anyone anything to come meet your baby when they think it's like the right thing to do. Like you just like, I don't think we give enough credit to like what just happened. What just happened here? Like the baby came out of my body. Yeah. Like emotionally, physically, mentally, like, can you give me a minute? And I always think about the contrast between, you know, someone's at home, they have a cold and it's like, oh, let them rest. Like here, I'll drop some soup off on the front porch. And then there's the mom that has been pregnant for nine months and just went through a very, which is most often like a traumatic experience to give birth, major trauma to their body. And it's like, don't care. We're coming over. Like, let me hold the baby. It's, it is mind blowing. Like the, how our culture treats postpartum women. Yeah. I also couldn't breast, like I was not a good breastfeeder. So like, you know, everyone, like some people could put the baby underneath a scarf or your shirt or like the maternity bras. I had to get butt naked. Like I literally had, could had to have no piece of clothing on and I had to be basically naked to feed <laughs> like every single time. So I couldn't go anywhere. Like I literally couldn't go anywhere. And I, I know that like even my in-laws were like, well, she doesn't want to feed the baby around her. So she can't be around us. I'm like, no, like I'm naked. Like I can't, I can't sit on the couch in your living room naked. Yeah. I'm, I'm naked. I'm bleeding. bleeding. I'm in a diaper. All the things. Like if I can't be naked, bleeding, pumping and like farting and struggling to go pee and poo in front of you, then you're not a support person. You're not helping. Okay. Cause this is the thing how people like to frame it as we just wanted to be supportive and we wanted to help. Well, no, it's not helping if all those things I just listed can't happen in front of you. And, and it's it doesn't mean that I don't love you. It doesn't mean that like we don't have a good relationship. It's just you are not a support person, like my chosen support person for this period of time. That's it. And like people don't like to acknowledge that. It's like, oh, I was just going to help. And it's like, that is not help. Mm-hmm. It's like when the in-laws are like, do you want me to come stay for a couple of weeks? Absolutely not. <laughs> like, no. And I say that with love. That's nothing against you. But like, I don't want, I don't want my own mom staying. I don't want anyone staying. Now that, and everybody is going to have their support person, like the ideal person that they would want in that situation. For me, it was my mom and my sister. Now that Milo's older, like my, my mother-in-law was just staying with us for a month. And I was like, this is great. Like, she's so good with him. Like, we all get along. Like, it, it, people hear that you, like, I didn't want even my in-laws in early postpartum. And it's like, oh, well, we have a really good relationship with our in-laws. So, and it's like, yeah, well, so do I. But like, that is not what this is about. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. People just don't understand the postpartum experience. Yeah, 100%. Now, the last thing I wanted to dive into is the default parent and the pressure around the default. Are you the default parent? Not really. Not anymore. I was in quarantine. I was in quarantine for sure. I am. I have like certain parts of being the default parent and 
that is just something that can't change just because of the nature of my husband's job and my job. So yeah, being the default parent is an interesting thing. The emotional load of the default parent, like, and you're right, like it does ebb and flow. Like there's certain, like certain ages or just certain stages and stuff like that when it's like, you know, I was even thinking the other day. So when I go away on a weekend for like a girl's weekend, I'm making sure there's food. I'm making sure that like everything is set up. Like, you know, we're dancing, like all, all the things. And then like when my partner goes away for the weekend, he's like, okay, see ya. Do you know where my sleeping bag is? <laughs> I'm just like, how did this happen? Like, do you think it's based on just the role that women take in society? Or do you think that sometimes the default parent is the, like, uh, what, what's the deal here? Like, how did this happen? Do we do it to ourselves? It's so interesting. You need to follow that darn chat on TikTok because she talks all about this stuff. Like, if you cannot get up and leave for the weekend without doing all those things that you just described, you shouldn't have to do that. And it could be the control freak like in me that just, or it's like, I just want to make it easier for him. See, this is the thing. A lot of people assume like, if I was like, oh yeah, I'm the default parent. They assume that it's like, oh, her partner must be a piece of SHIT. And it's like, no, that's not the case. This is just like the dynamic that our family has fallen into for X, Y, and Z. And like X, Y, and Z can be um, like many different reasons. Like your careers. For me, I work for myself. I'm super flexible. I make my own schedule. My husband, not so much. So that is, you know, if Milo's sick at school, who's the one that's going to go get him? Me. Like if he has to stay homesick, who's rescheduling all their work stuff? Me. Like this is always going to fall on me just because of the nature of our jobs. Um, the What you were saying, like the maternal gatekeeping, a lot of women from day one of having a baby do not even give their partners the chance to learn and to prove that they can do things. So that ends up you know, you fall into this dynamic of one person is takes on all the responsibility for childcare. And like, sometimes I do the same thing, but I am very, like, I know I can up and leave for a week. And my husband has meals down, is taking him to school, getting him dressed, bath time, bedtime, everything. Like, I don't even have to think twice about that. And so it's like giving them the opportunity to know and to learn what has to be done. Yeah. It's interesting because my husband can do it. Like I've gone away for the week and he's fine, but I'm still like, uh, like, oh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just set everything out. Which is like, again, like I, something like with regard to the default parent is like something that I have that my husband never experiences is like mom guilt or I put a certain amount of mental load on myself and it's my own fault you know, like that's on me. That's not my husband's issue. That's my issue. So it's also recognizing that. And when it's your own self, that's like putting this pressure and making you feel like you have to do all these things. When at the end of the day, if they weren't done, your husband or your partner would do it. Yeah. It's like, do you know, Terry Cole, boundary boss, Terry Cole. Um, she's got really great podcasts, really great book. It's so good. All about boundaries. She talks a lot about high functioning codependency. And she's like, when you over-function, other people under-function. And like, you, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's, it's so true. But there is like a, this emotional load of the default parent, but 
it's true what you're saying. Like we do kind of put it on ourselves. It's like, do you know how much I do? It's like, well, then stop doing it. (laughs) Shit. This has been like therapy for me. (laughs) It's not ruminating about like, I get so jealous of my husband that he can just like lay with Milo and put on a movie in the basement on like a sunny Saturday afternoon. And I'm like, we need to go outside. We need to go to the park. Like we have to have activities and like, and it's like, no, you don't like calm down and just enjoy yourself. Yeah. That's like me. I'm like, he's like, why don't you sit down and chill? I'm like, cause we have shit to do. Yeah. He's I can't like, chill. It'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. Anyway. So good. You know what? I'm so glad we had the opportunity just to shoot the shit. This is like so, <laughs> so good. Where can everyone find you? Yes. So my podcast is called the mom room podcast. That's everywhere. And the Instagram and TikTok is at Renee Rena with the little underscore at the end. And then the podcast has its own Instagram account and it's at the mom room podcast on Instagram as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This was so good. Yes. Thank you for having me. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, and if the podcast has been resonating with you, I would be forever grateful if you would head on over to iTunes and give the show a rating and a review. And if you know someone who would benefit from listening to this episode, be sure to send it their way. Now, if you are craving more, head to my website, jamiescrimger.com. There are lots of blog posts and podcast episodes and resources available for you over there. And if you really want to dive in, I do take on a limited number of coaching clients every month. So you can book one call or work with me for three months. Either way, we will create an individualized plan for your unique step family situation. Remember, sitting around biatching about how hard being a stepmom is won't make being a stepmom any easier. If you want change in your life, it has to start with you. Chat with you next week. <laughs>